Welcome to Truth Matters with Terry McCarthy. This is Friday, April 24th, and we are wrapping up our week-long series on the Hebrides Revival. 2019 was the 70th anniversary of the beginning of the Hebrides Revival. I think people are praying and asking God to do it again, and maybe he will. I certainly hope so. I know I need revival in my own life. The epicenter of this revival 70 years ago was in Barvis on the Isle of Lewis. It's about 12 miles away from Stornoway, the main city or the capital of the Isle of Lewis. One can easily find information on Google, and there are a lot of great books that have described the Hebrides revival. They are easily found on Amazon.com. My husband, Daryl, and I read as much as we could get our hands on about the revival, the um, biography of Duncan Campbell, and we watched a series of videos, too, because we wanted to know as much as possible before we went to investigate Barvis back in 2002. One of the main people associated with the Hebrides revival was Reverend Duncan Campbell, who died in 1972 at 74 years of age while speaking at a youth meeting in Switzerland. His heart gave out, and he went to be with the Lord instantly. Duncan Campbell was always the first to say that he did not bring the revival to Barvis, but that it was already in progress when he arrived. Now, by revival, I don't mean a planned, scheduled series of meetings a church has on an annual basis. In the States, we usually use the word revival in that way. When I was a kid, we always had these revival meetings at our church. And actually, it just meant a week-long, every single night service that usually, usually left us kids tired and grumpy the next morning. But that's not what I mean by revival. Revival is a sovereign work of the Holy Spirit, a move of God that cannot be harnessed or controlled by men. And that's what happened in the Hebrides in 1949 and over the next three years. As one writer put it, the Holy Spirit was the architect and sustainer of this extraordinary event. And indeed he was. Interestingly, the revival swept across all of Hebrides, and there wasn't a village or town left untouched by this miraculous move of God, except for Stornoway, the capital. Stornoway was untouched by the fire and this powerful move of God, because pastors there didn't want any part of it and actually preached against the revival, or as they called it, Campbell's Revival. Hundreds of people from Stornoway would take buses and caravan and cars to churches in outlying areas to be part of the revival. And when they would return home, they were criticized and chastised from the pulpits. I think with leadership, righteousness truly does, or in the case with Stornoway, doesn't, trickle down. So here are some takeaways I get from the revival in Hebrides, the great Hebrides revival. I've got about 12. One, 
All preaching in churches during the Hebrides revival was in Gaelic. Those converted in homes or in fields after the church services usually included those who only spoke English. And that is when the non-Gaelic speakers were saved. Uh, as I said earlier, the town of Stornoway, the capital of the Isle of Lewis, was completely bypassed. The revival came only to small towns or villages in the Hebrides. The reason for this was thought to be that the ministers in Stornoway opposed the revival, while those in the small churches and villages actually prayed for it and longed for it and cried out to God for the revival. The third thing, uh, the Hebrides revival was all about people being saved, born again, confession of faith in Christ, calling out to God for his mercy. This was utmost and primary. No doubt there were Christians renewed or refilled, absolutely, but the main focus was on people being saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. Conversion. Something we don't hear about much in church these days, but the pervading assumption in people's mind during the revival was their final destiny. Heaven or hell. Duncan Campbell used a phrase often, hell deserving sinners. Now that's not an expression I've heard in the last 25 years. It seems to me that nowadays many people feel that they are entitled to heaven or that a truly loving God would never send anyone to hell. But that wasn't the case in this revival. Heaven and hell were clearly preached and people truly feared hell as well as their love for God. They came into a loving relationship with God through the power of the Holy Spirit, but they also had a very clear revelation of what hell was. And many of them would cry out, Have mercy on me, God. I don't deserve you, but I love you and I want you to be my God. The fifth thing, according to Duncan Campbell, the preaching was all expository preaching, a form of preaching that details the meaning of a particular text or passage of scripture. In, in expository preaching, the word of God is center. It explains what the Bible means and it focuses on the text of God's word. I find this interesting as much of what one hears today is motivational in the church or cultural or philosophical rather than clear biblical teaching helping churchgoers apply the Bible to their real life. Number six, people did not want to go home even when the services were over. These were hardworking laborers and weavers and farmers and yet they wanted to linger in the Lord's presence. The people would either stay at church or go into a nearby home for more fellowship and praising and singing. Conversions would take place in both homes and in the church. People typically started dismissing and heading for home around two in the morning or sometimes even later. They just didn't want to leave each other or the presence of the Lord. Number seven, the Hebrides revival in many ways was a young people's phenomenon. Teenagers and those under the age of 40 were converted. There are four known persons from Barvis uh, that, are, that were still living in 2002 that were saved during the Hebrides revival. 
they were mostly teenagers when they were converted. And Donald Smith was a teenager, a young teenager, 13, when we met, uh, when he was converted and we met him in 2002. Now, if you remember, this had been Peggy and Christine Smith's main burden and their focus in prayer. They both had had a very heavy and deep burden for the youth of their island. So I think it's very important to recognize and acknowledge that the Hebrides revival was a young people's revival. Number eight, hundreds of people walked as far as 12 to 14 miles to reach the church. And all of the Isle of Lewis was in absolute awe that not one single person got a blister on their feet or ever felt tired from those long walks. Nine, people would be saved, not just in church buildings, but when walking in the countryside. There was a wonderful sense of God's presence, a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and it just hung in the air, and people revered him over the entire land, all of the fields and hills and roads. People had a real reverence for God. Spontaneous conversions took place everywhere over uh, the island. One well-known story that comes out of the Hebrides revival was when a mother and her 21-year-old son were walking on a country road and suddenly the son, his name was William, was overcome with emotion and he began to weep And then they were both overcome by the Spirit of God and they gave their lives to Jesus. And William later became a leading minister in the Church of Scotland. These were unexplainable but life-changing events. Number 10, unusual manifestations would appear spontaneously. Lights would appear on the roads to show people the way home in the dark. There were hundreds of homes shaken as if from an earthquake and people reported dishes and silverware falling off tables and this always happened while people were praying or worshiping nearby and then there was this spontaneous grouping there would be like 200 people that were just kind of called or impelled or drawn to one specific place and they would look around without any explanation or planning they would walk miles just to find groups gathering on the heather to worship and praise God. And interestingly, my niece Anna looked up the word heather, just led by the Lord. And did you know that heather means to cleanse or purify? And I think that makes the story of little Donald Smith lying on the heather, telling Jesus, I love you, Jesus, I love you. It just makes it that much more meaningful. So many times in these accounts of what happened in the Hebrides, People were found lying on the heather or gathering on the heather to praise and worship God. Number 11, people were functioning with little or no sleep. It was common for services or meetings to go into the night and morning hours. And sometimes people didn't get home until after 5 o'clock in the morning. They'd get cleaned up, eat their breakfast, and go straight to work at 7 And they'd work all day without getting exhausted, without getting tired, or even feeling sleepy. And number 12, during the Hebrides revival, not one sheep lost a lamb. Not one cow lost a calf. Not one injury on the job. And not one person died during those three years. 
The lights from the villages, especially Barva's, the light would shine so brightly from the power of God that men at sea and villagers from far away thought Barva's had caught on fire and was burning. In closing, I'd like to say that the Isle of Lewis was forever changed, but that's not the case. Even after seeing such a powerful move of the Spirit of God, a supernatural, phenomenal work, some still fell away and went into the world. When we interviewed Donald Smith in 2002, he said again and again, once you taste the things of God and experience the power of the Holy Spirit, your life is changed, but it is up to you to maintain it. We heard one sad testimony of a man who left the island after a great conversion experience. He went to London and he fell away from the Lord. He was there probably 15 years. He became an alcoholic and eventually he was badly injured in a car accident and had to return to Barvis. He talked about the anguish he felt for leaving the Lord and leaving his faith, but how grateful he was for that car accident that brought him both back home to the island and back home to the Lord. Even when the Spirit of God falls on each of us and does an amazing work in our lives, it's still our job to stay close to Him. We have to stay in the Word. We have to stay in prayer. We have to obey Him, and we have to seek Him. I told one friend, no one sprouts angel wings just because they see a powerful manifestation of the Holy Spirit. We still have to walk in obedience and be true to God's word. In 2002, there was, a very, there was very little left to remind us of what had happened in the Hebrides. At the car rental place, on the ferries, in the bed and breakfasts where we stayed, no one knew Duncan Campbell or had ever even heard of the Great Revival. And sometimes it works like that, doesn't it? One generation is touched by the powerful hand of God, and the next generation doesn't remember it. That's where we get the expression, God doesn't have any grandchildren. We all must be born again through Christ individually, personally, and not through what our parents or grandparents have experienced. But it is also the older generation's job to pass down the stories and tell the younger generation of the goodness of God and how he redeems. In closing, I want to tell you a story about what happened to Daryl and me on the Isle of Lewis. We had to go by uh, row. We had to go by a rental car from Stornoway and drive over to Barvis. And along the way, there was a monument to Columban, a man that Daryl admired greatly. Daryl's a uh, researcher and scholar of the Irish monks and how the Irish monks saved the world. And so one of the great Irish monks had come to Barvis to preach the gospel back in, I think, 600, 600 or 700. Um, so there was a monument to him uh, in near Barvis. And Daryl said, on our way to church, let's get up early and let's get going early, but on our way to church, I would like to stop and see the monument to Columban. And I didn't want to, so we parked on the side of the road 
there was a little uh, turnout and we parked on the side of the road. It was pouring down rain and I did not want to go to that monument. So I sat in the car and Daryl got his hat and coat and umbrella and he took off on this semi-hike to find this um, statue or this commemorative place of his wonderful Irish monk Columban. So I sat there in the car and it was probably, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes and I was praying, but I was eager to get on down the road and I was worried. I did not want to be late to the services in Barvis. After a few minutes, I see Daryl coming on the path, the walking path, and he has a young couple with him. And I'd seen this little red car parked near us and I, and I thought maybe it had broke down. It wasn't in the best of condition. And so I saw this young couple coming towards us with Daryl. Daryl had them in tow and they jumped in the back of our rental car and Daryl was introducing, I mean, it was pouring rain and Daryl was introducing them to me. And this is what happened. This young couple from Australia were honeymooning in Barvis and they had lost their way because they were looking for the church in Barvis. They were honeymooning in the Hebrides and they were looking for Barvis and they couldn't find it and they couldn't find it on the map and they were lost and they asked the Lord, Lord, please help us. We want to go to the church in Barvis and we can't find it. And they found Daryl <laughs> walking around that Columban Memorial. And they said, excuse me, sir, um, we're from Australia and we don't know where we're going. We're lost and we're looking for the church in Barvis. Do you know this area? And Daryl said, well, we're speaking there. <laughs> we're heading there ourselves today because we're speaking there. <laughs> Would you like to go with us and follow us? And they both got very emotional because they were the grandchildren of Duncan Campbell who were looking for Barvis to see the place where Duncan Campbell had preached. The young man was the grandson he had just married. So this was grandson and granddaughter-in-law. So we all <laughs> went to Barvis and we went to the Sunday service and it was wonderful. And then they went with us to Donald Smith's house to spend the afternoon with Donald Smith and have lunch with he and his family. And this was the grandson of Duncan Campbell. So Daryl and I, spoke that evening at church and it was a wonderful time but quite honestly the place is dead it was dead and uh the young couple the Campbells the young Campbells <laughs> they were kind of disappointed as well I mean we loved the time with Donald Smith and it was such a beautiful experience and we had such a wonderful uh he had such a wonderful testimony to tell us that encouraged us. But in the church, in the congregation itself, it seemed quite dead. And all that was there was ma mainly elderly. There were probably, I would say, 30 to 40 people in, in attendance. And I don't think there was anybody under 20. 
years old. So they wanted to have a reception for us after the meeting, after the evening service. So we all went to the fellowship hall and we were having tea and cake. And I said, excuse me, would you all mind if we could just hear you sing the way you sang during the great Hebrides revival? Because all of them had experienced it. All of them had been there when the Holy Spirit had fallen in 1949. So they all stood and they began to sing in Gaelic the psalms that they sang during the revival. And the Spirit of the Lord came on the place. And I watched as 75 and 80-year-old people began to cry and weep. And the Lord gave us a special time there. When it was time to leave, I have never been hugged and kissed and I told Daryl there were so many wet kisses on my face and I was didn't want to wipe one of them off. It was such a beautiful time of fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And again and again, they said, thank you for reminding us. Thank you for reminding us. One man, he was 80 years old, and he said, I wondered if the Lord would come and visit us again. I need to remember those days when the Spirit of God fell. And he said, Oh, Terry, when the Spirit of God falls upon you, there's nothing in the world that can satisfy you. It's glorious. Well, uh, the young Campbell couple, <laughs> Duncan Campbell's grandchildren, didn't have a place to stay, so they followed us over to the other side of the island because we were going to have to catch the ferry. And the woman who had a bed and breakfast there was waiting for us and her name was Cindy and she was waiting for us and we said we found this young couple at church Can, do you have a room for them and she said yeah and the next morning we all got on the ferry and headed back over to the mainland and as we were on the ferry the young bride Duncan Campbell's granddaughter-in-law the young bride said I have horrific nightmares and I never told anybody but now that I'm on my honeymoon my poor husband wakes up and hears me screaming and crying. I have horrible nightmares. She said, you know, Terry, I love God. I love him so much. And I do believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I can't get rid of these nightmares. Will you pray for me? Right there on that ferry, out in the open breezes. And I laid my hands on her and I prayed for her. And I asked the Lord in the only, I did not feel the power of the Lord. I didn't feel strong. I really felt odd and I just prayed for her the only way I knew how and asked the Lord to deliver her from those horrible nightmares bless her heart and of course when we landed on the mainland we exchanged all of our information and she emailed me two weeks later from Australia saying that she hadn't had a single nightmare since that day on the ferry she hadn't had a single nightmare but you think about the timing in the pouring rain of Daryl wanting to go and see that Columbine monument and how he runs into Duncan Campbell's grandchildren, newlyweds, who were looking for the church in Barvis. And we went there together. And I just think it was somehow another miraculous sign that God was still at work on the Isle of Lewis. 
Well, that concludes this uh, series on the revival of the Hebrides. I hope that you've enjoyed it. I appreciate you so much for joining me. This has been Truth Matters with Terry McCarthy. And I'll see you on Monday with a new uh, podcast. And what the topic will be, I'm not 100% sure. It might be a surprise (laughs) to both of us. (laughs) May the Lord bless you and keep you. And thank you so much for joining me on Truth Matters.